It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long. And you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as they discuss the classic Twilight Zone episode, The Night of the Meek. Christmas time in the bar. Look! Look at all these these saps smiling and singing along to this this Christmas music. Oh, every year this. Oh, I hate it. Well, I sort of have share your sentiments there, bud. But I mean, I don't always have to be such a Grinch uh, every time we go into one of these places. Grinch. Uh, have to pay our workers. Uh, what is it? Time and a half. You usually do the financing stuff. I don't know, but well. I'm- only good with numbers in a certain point, but there's what seems to be so glum chum. People are running around acting all all happy, and yeah, I don't know. I don't want to deal with the lines in the stores, Christmas music, and you know, all those rich folks uh, flaunting their cash in my face. I hate it. Well, uh, surprisingly, I also uh, don't usually engage in those kind of crowds and those kind of dealings with people. I'm, yeah, more or less keep to myself when it comes to that sort of thing, but there are people who I say do share your sentiments, not just me, of course. There you but go. I feel, but I feel like there's another way of going about this, that we don't always have to be a Scrooge when it comes to this sort of stuff. But there's an in-between. There's always uh, us that are in-between this kind of thing, where people during the holiday season get overtaken by this this, this effect, this the invisible force almost. And it can it can lead to some some stuff that you know goes a little out of our control. But uh, I think being a complete you know jerk face and initially wanting to be so angry and mad all the time at people not really good for your health or your your mental health. So I think I think we should find another solution to that. What better than to uh, bring you a little uh well. I don't say gem. I don't know if it's very memorable or anything like that, but one thing that uh, I've I've enjoyed, and that is uh, this episode that we have for you tonight. Episode? What? What? Hey, I thought I said no. Uh, I thought I banned all the Christmas specials. That, that's why we didn't do one last year. I thought I put the kibosh down. Oh well, yeah, that's definitely true that we did put the kibosh on that. But allow me, uh, if you allow me some some of your time, 
Uh, I don't know how much of your time, of course. But if you want me some of your time, we'll uh, may- maybe this one will I'll say change your your tune or anything like that. But at least get you to lighten up with the when it comes to uh, your your little act there. Well, I, I should have suspected because I did see some uh, some technicians working in the projection room. Yeah, they were bringing in some reels, and I was like, hey, what's that about? And they are like, oh, we can't say, uh, ask Isaac. So I guess we better head to the screening room and yeah, see what we got. All right, let's, let's go over there. Oops. Oh, okay, well, I guess I'll clean that later. Yeah, just leave it. Yeah, definitely hadn't uh, seen that one previously. Yeah. Why did you bring it to, to me today? I guess I can guess why with my, my attitude before, but... Well, I, you know, it, I was I, you know just watching you know on the, the classic TV channels that everybody has in their area. They, they have this, this sort of uh, station that plays the old, uh, I guess, like 20th century TV shows, television shows from America. Probably have that as well for other like programs in other regions potentially, but at least for the American program, uh, this one, you know, it came out of nowhere for me and it kind of always struck with me. I was like, this is, yeah, I, I like the angle that they went with it. It's nothing new, I guess it's, but for its time, I'm actually surprised how, uh, much it was commenting on over commercialization by still giving everybody what they wanted. (laughs) But in the end, it really wasn't about that. It was about like what the character himself felt, and that he got his wish. He got exactly what he wanted. So, and I guess was rewarded in the end. Yeah, which is uh, on one hand, it uh, feels right for someone like uh, Rod Sterling to be poking the bear when it comes to consumerism. I feel like he's a big lefty. I'm not too sure. I've not looked into his past. Oh, he. I, I believe he is. But just uh, <laughs> yeah, from his writing. But yeah, to come away without his usual cynical edge and have an actually uh, surprisingly positive ending, I was, yeah. And I guess before we jump into it, because I think you want to do this Avatar style, I think you yep. said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our Bending the Elements uh, trademark format. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what's your history with the Twilight Zone? Is this a, a, a program that you frequent quite a bit? or? I'd say well, I don't always go out of my way to watch it. It definitely is something when it's on, I will look at Um, because for whatever reason, whatever, like it may be, I don't know how like basic you could call it. Just again, I've over the years, I've been fascinated with this show and I've realized that it's kind of one of my favorite horror shows. Hmm. Um, You wouldn't, you wouldn't call it horror. It's more science fiction than that, but I call it horror because some of the stories they, uh, deal with and or just the episode some of the episodes just the way they're shot the fact that they're black and white does not black and white does not automatically equal horror but yeah just the minimalist and or at least you know the budgets they had for it and how kind of like i don't want to say blank or expressionless everything is in the background but the fact that there's sometimes a lack of stuff in the background and the set design it really makes me believe it's horror and this is, yeah, this has become one of my favorite horror 
stories, I guess, or horror. Like, I can't say franchises, but when it when it comes to like you know horror that I love, uh, it comes from this because some of the episodes are darn right. Like they scare me. Like they bring horror to my to, to my being. But this is one that the, the, tonight the night literally the night of the meek <laughs> uh, does not do that. It does not bring horror to me. Instead, it brings me optimism. It brings me some joy. It doesn't change my overall being when it comes to this holiday, but <laughs> it definitely is something that uh, I would look at in this in this season of overwhelming um, emotions and look at and appreciate that at least somebody shares my sentiment and that there is uh, such a thing as sincerity. And I appreciate that. I, I can appreciate when they, I mean, is it is it meta for talking about that stuff and really didn't do anything about that? Like I said, it's more about the character himself and how he feels. And I guess you could say it's a power fantasy because he gets exactly what he wanted. Yeah, so yeah, this one clearly left uh, an impact on you and this, this show in general. Um, for me, The Twilight Zone, this was always a show that I wanted to get into more. I, I used to catch it on TV quite a bit. As a little kid, when we had more uh, kind of basic cable kind of thing, it seemed to pop up uh, in the evenings. I'm not sure which channel it was on, but I was also drawn to it by the horror elements. It would always scare me. Even the opening, when that uh, the Twilight Zone little intro would come on, sometimes I would get uh, I would get the shivers. Like, oh no, I'm in, I'm in for something uh, strange today. And I never did see this one, but if I did, it would have definitely left me uh, perplexed at the time because <laughs> does not meet the usual Twilight Zone. Uh, uh, repertoire if that's the word and yeah i guess we'll get into that as we as we go along but before we do just out of curiosity did you ever seek out much of the 80s twilight zone series no i'm very well aware of that in fact there was a episode i believe called the box that was later made into a movie back in like i think 2006 or or whenever so oh uh, i watched that that was that was freaky i'd have to go back to that and watch it again but um, so that's, I guess, like a Twilight Zone movie, but other than like Twilight Zone itself, uh, the movie, but I have not a big desire to watch the eighties version because it's in color. And I think the black and white really, for me, adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, no, that's fair. So maybe I, I, I'm probably coming a little too, being a little too harsh and a little closed minded when it comes to the eighties version. It may have, I think it does probably have some merit and value, but I, I don't know why I just I prefer the black and white uh, over the color because I think like I said the black and white adds to the suspense and maybe this uh, uh, the horror aspect that I, I like about it yeah and, and and I too have not really seen much in all of the 80s uh, Twilight Zone but I will say you know after we came out of the screening room and you went off to uh, chat with some of the staff there I did see my my opportunity to uh, sneak in a brief viewing of the 80s version of this episode Night of the Meek because they did adapt this, and I'll discuss a little bit of that as we, we go through discussion, because it's it's pretty much a, a straight adaptation. There's only a couple little differences, but I think they'll be worth mentioning. So Fair enough. All right. Well, um, so as he mentioned, we're doing this in our other channels format that we've come to, I'm not going to say trademark, but definitely uh, <laughs> we've created, which is somewhow scene scene-by-scene, but because you know, it's only 24 minutes, 
Yeah. Um, and we've done 24 minute episodes before when it comes to DC stuff. But for this one, yeah, we're going to get a little more loose with it. So pardon our erratic behavior in this one. If you're, you know, from, if you're from the other channel, uh, you know exactly what's happening. And I don't expect to go very like, this will be, you know, like an avatar episode length, but definitely we'll be talking about this one for a bit. So, uh, if you can get your, however you purchase this copies of this either because i guess this is on blue or dvd i know that i don't know if it's on blu-ray at all but it's on digital and whether you have it by legal means or uh other certain alleyway means <laughs> um you know, get it to timestamp zero and we're just gonna yeah just hit play like right now and uh yeah yeah getting once again the very standout uh opening to the twilight zone I agree with what you said about how it's, yeah, no, it it, it definitely it sets the mood. Yeah, uh, it sets the mood that you're in. You're going to a place that is both thoughtful and can also be scary. Yeah, yeah, sets it up very well for yeah. We're just entering a different world and open your mind and see what you're going to get. And we, as we open our minds, we arrive in a department store or maybe the North Pole. I'm not too sure. <laughs> Uh, maybe the North Pole happened to somehow uh, transplant itself into a department store. Yeah, and we get this little kind of a like a steady cam almost shot, but not quite, just because of the way that the TV uh, cameras are structured. But this this beautiful shot above the uh, the department store and pulling out until we get to this uh, yeah very obsequious uh, Mister Dundee, just uh, trying to calm everybody because apparently their Santa's been having some some issues. Yeah, uh, there's a hustle and bustle of, I don't know if it's, I guess it's Christmas Eve right now, right? Jeez. Nothing's changed. And, you know, know, there's the Santa, there's, you know, there should always be like a Santa Claus, you know, in a department store, you know, area, wherever they may be. And because the children want to, you know, have a, have a chance to give me, help give Santa Claus, you know, a, a question of what they would like to have. For Christmas, and well, yeah, it uh, says he'll be back by six o'clock. And uh, well, we cut to where this uh, this particular Santa Claus is, uh, not at the department store. Yeah, he's he's here in the tavern. He's uh, or in the uh, the speakeasy. Yeah, he's enjoying some drinks. In fact, I see one of the those Santas right over there in the corner. And he, oh, he looks like a lush. He looks wasted. Oh. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, no uh, kids enter the bar this time and <laughs> uh, see this kind of uh, display of uh, yeah uh, of Christmas cheer on just at our bar stead. But uh, yeah, we we here we have our our bud Senna again. We, the, as I'm eyeballing him over there at the bar. Um, <laughs> yeah, just getting some uh, yeah, having some of the Christmas hooch. Yeah, and I do like. When we come, when we cut into this little sequence here, uh, the bartender can't remember his name. Bruce. Bruce. It looks like he was using maybe shaving cream to put up some Christmas decorations on the mirror behind the bar. I thought that was kind of funny, kind of cute. <laughs> eh, you know what, what? What can you do? We've you should see the what we do for uh, the holidays over here on the, the speakeasy. Yeah, and you should see once I get into a bender when I just start tearing it all down, and then I'm the one falling all over the place like this Santa will a little bit. Well, I that's another reason I <laughs> may have selected this episode because you can uh, feel like you're looking in the mirror here. I I think I am. Yeah, 
All I need is the the fake beard and the hat. Yeah, that'll be me. <laughs> that is a that is a worn beard, by the way. Can I if I if I may say so? Like it's been through uh probably been on a few uh men's chins each season. Oh yeah, he just yeah pulled out of the dumpster. Uh, but by the way, I did write this down in my notes. Uh, when when uh, the the bartender comes up to him, it's like, okay, it's time for you to pay up your tab. Uh, you owe me for six drinks and a sandwich. He says that's three eighty. And I was like, oh my gosh, I paid uh, three seventy for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ten cents off. Wow. Yeah, boy, it's time changed. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. yep. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, yeah, just as long as nobody looks at our drink menu, it's uh, oh no, it's, yeah, uh, okay, anyway, it's, it's a tough economy. Don't get mad at us. It's uh, too too much inside baseball there. <laughs> anyway, hey, we gotta like somehow make a prop. If you guys want to keep drinking here. We we swear we're not trying to like you know cost you all an arm and a leg. Yeah, and so he pays it up, and as he's uh, yeah, it, kind of closing up his shirt from where he took the change out, he glances over to the the door of the bar, and there's these two little kids looking in and smiling, and they're even pressing their noses right up against the glass, which I thought was a fun little touch. Oh yeah, they're like ecstatic to see like hey, it's like he's inside a bar. And hopefully they don't think about, like, the fact that maybe their dad also is in a bar right now. Yeah, hopefully they're just thinking that he's getting some milk and cookies in early before he goes to uh, the gig. Yeah, yeah certainly. He just was like, ah, oh, he's, 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 he's come by our area right now, and he just needs a, he needs a break. Santa's needing that break there. And, uh, yeah, just stopping in there for the, oh, I mean, we have that as well. It's, it's over there. And we get the first of this, uh, our Santa here kind of speechifying about his 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 kind of melancholic state that he's in and just about uh you know why can't kids in this part of the neighborhood have a santa that'll come and answer their 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 christmas requests why is it only the, the rich kids you know who who get that yeah lamenting there's a lot of lament in this episode uh over yeah uh you know the unfairness and you know the fact that some of those guys even if they are at least wearing winter coats um don't get the same treatment as some other people do. He's definitely lamenting that and arguing like what the hay is going on about there. And definitely if he had the, the, the tools to make the change there, he definitely would. But uh, there's still some things that uh, I'm not going to say hold him back, but there's still some things that he's prone to uh, do. Yeah. I do love the bartender during this scene. He's <laughs> as the, as our Santa's questioning this, he's like, what am I, some kind of philosopher? And even, he's like, what are you, some kind of nut? <laughs> now, don't worry, if everybody comes to the speakeasy, they'll often find me <laughs> contemplating my navel and pontificating over, like, anything in life, and potentially either reading Shakespeare or some philosopher of the week. Um, me just dispouting that, so don't worry, I'm the Santa Claus behind the bar instead, so I'm not like Bruce here. Um, maybe... Yeah. I wouldn't say you're like Bruce every now and then, but even still. <laughs> hey, every now and again, you gotta yeah, call someone a nut and tell them to get out of your bar. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. Well, see, well, uh, yeah, unfortunately, what happens to, well, with, yeah, yeah, in, in the moment, yeah, Bruce he gets a phone call, and of course, he's like, yeah, hello, who was, who is this? And he's like, uh, on the other end, they're like, yeah, is there, is there a Dover there? Ben Dover? It's like, hang on, I'll check. He's oh. like, hey, is there a Ben Dover here? Hey guys, come on! I gotta like check. You gotta. Is there? Yeah, I gotta check. Bend over. Are you here? Yeah. And then someone stands up. We gotta see more butts over here, but no bend over. 
Oh, well, can we just, like, uh, see if Ben Dover's uh, in Seymour Butts? <laughs> oh, no. But as as you know, this uh, this whole thing's going on. Don't trust us. That has happened to us before at the bar. Uh, speak easy. Uh, what I meant earlier that, you know, as as you know, we have our Santa here. He's, he philosophizes and whatnot. Uh, unfortunately, there are pleasures of the flesh do still uh, affect him, of course, and reaches for the bottle. Yeah. I do like on the phone, he's like, ah, oh, nothing. I just got a Santa here trying to heist the joint. I just thought that was funny. Fun little bartender. Yeah, certainly a character. Yeah, and I, I want to mention just a little something about the 80s one at the moment, yeah, which course. I thought was an interesting touch. So basically this whole sequence plays out the same in that, except when he's about to get up for the bar, the bartender notices that a, a piece of money magically appears in the back of his pocket. And he's like, hey, you got a couple more dollars there than you realized. And the Santa, instead of buying some drinks, he goes outside and he gives it to those two kids that were peeking in. Oh. So they start the magic a little bit earlier in that one. Okay. But... But I, I, by the way, I, I just, I love how this looks, even though it does seem to, you know, it, you can tell that this is a low budget show. Yeah, the, the stark black and white, I think is so good. And uh, yeah, they, they really cleaned it up well for the Blu-ray version that I'm watching, or the HD version, I should say. Yeah, this transferred over very well. Um. Yeah. And so he leaves the bar, he stumbles out into the, the snow, which I always love seeing on screen, even though this is, you know, obviously a studio snow. I still think it uh, just just there's something about snow that just so visually capturing. Yeah, it is. Even the fake version. It is nice to see it like this, and um, regardless of if you can't see the breath of somebody, um, yeah, we get him stumbling about. Sometimes you know we see patrons you know exit the bar like this. Um, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> he stumbles across the street and whatnot, and. Makes his way because he had asked Bruce, like, "Hey, Bruce, the bartender. Hey, you know what? What time is it right now?" And you know, six thirty. Six thirty on the dot. That's what it says. It's, it's like, oh, I, sh- I should be uh, at the at the department store there at six o'clock. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh no. Oh, and by the way, as he stumbles out and he he reaches to like give him some support on this little uh uh like a what is that light post light post. And he falls over, and these two kids come to him, and they're like, oh, Santa, let's go down our list of things we want for Christmas. And so they just start going off about it. I like that the little boys, too, is like, I want a gun. <laughs> <laughs> but this was the first scene here that brought a little bit of tears for me. Yep. Just these these poor little kids asking, and then poor uh, Mr. Corwin. He just starts breaking down and crying on these little kids. Just in his drunken ways, I was like, "Oh no, this is uh, what a mess." <laughs> to see him uh, like this in the states, the image of Santa Claus and like what it's doing to them, and the fact that you know he can't bring them reassurance—that's definitely uh, what's tugging at his heartstrings. Yeah, and that's when we cut into the classic Twilight Zone staple, which is something that I was definitely very much missing in the '80s version. As we see, this is something I always looked forward to in these episodes. As Rod Sterling uh, begins some narration and then enters the scene. So, so iconic. But this is different one. This one is, is very different where, you know, sometimes when it's just a regular episode, uh, it would cut away, like it would, or not even cut away, like the camera would just quickly like zoom to the left or the right. And then we would see him mm. somewhere, I guess, on the same set, but like, you know, away yeah. from the, uh, the, the players of the piece. And he would, you know, you know, speak monotonely and 
with some caution to him. But this time, he's literally like standing right near them. He, we just follow the camera pans up towards one of the storefronts, and he's right there. So it's breaking the tradition that we have here, and it's, it seems as though like he's offering a, a different approach when it comes to his opening monologues. Yeah, maybe like a more intimate kind of quality. Yeah, very much, again, showing that this is going to be a very different kind of episode. Yeah, then we see old Santa. He's he's coming into the store. And, you know, especially in that storefront uh, kind of setting. Oh, boy, does he look frumpy and, and worn down. And there's this giant little train display in there, which I always loved these kind of things when I was a kid. And uh, some of the kids are trying to fiddle with it. And he comes over and shows them how it's done, turns it on. And I, I like that little bit as well. Yeah, um, my uh, our, our my my friends that we uh, recently played golf with. His dad uh, is one of those train guys, and yeah, oh, those guys, those guys. Oh, I love those guys a lot. When they when with model trains, man, the stuff they can do, it's great. And I I saw his dad set up. Oh my goodness, dude! I gotta <laughs> either uh, either I gotta get him to when he comes back over. I'll show him a uh, maybe I don't know if he has a video or it or something like that, but the amount of detail his father has done to his little like you know operation he's got there like was well, he made he made this whole town up and you know based off of some place in the interior bc and it's got a whole th- like the whole works and whatnot it's oh it's so good it's 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 nice so obviously this is you know i want to say crude i mean for pit's sakes this is the <laughs> 60s right now and we're t- dealing with something from like the 22s so it's like <laughs> there's a big difference but even still it's like the amount of detail he model work he put into it it's very nice yeah, but as uh, poor Santa, he stumbles away heading up to his uh, his chair. That's when Mr. Dundee spots him and he comes over and he puts him through the ringer. He's like, you're an hour late and, you know, if you better not screw up this time, get up there and get to work. And he he looks out of it even. He doesn't even seem like he's fully uh, aware of what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, no, just taking every word, like one ear out the other. Not that he's not realizing what he's supposed to be doing, but, you know, the the, the situation is not really... Well, I think it has gotten to him, but the situation hasn't really... He hasn't realized it just yet. Yeah, he's like halfway gone. He's into the... Uh, yeah, he's sauce and the lost, as you sometimes say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's me when I don't sleep properly. I do like Mr. Dundee being like... Uh, he's like, get up to your, your throne and see if you can keep from disillusioning these kids. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you got a pal. And so, yeah, he, after a nice little braiding, he sends him up there, and almost immediately, they, you know, I'm sure everyone could tell that this guy, he's he's drunk. He's not what he seems. He seems like a has-been. He seems like, you know, they found him out of a dumpster or something like that. And, yeah, you know, the, the, you know they, we start the whole the process of, like, hey, what do you want for Christmas, little boy? And uh, what does the kid say? Do you remember what he says? Uh, uh, give me one second. I'm, I'm almost there. By the way, I I feel like this kid's voice sounds like he's from a Peanuts special. Like could be either Linus or Charlie Brown. I think maybe Linus, but I can't. I didn't check the actor list to see if this was correct or not. I mean, I swear the store manager sounds like Piglet. <laughs> oh, but the kid he comes up and Santa's like, "Oh, what's your name, little boy?" And he's like, "Percival Smithers." And he's like, well, what do you want for Christmas? And the kid says, a new front name. <laughs> and he looks smug. He, he doesn't want to sit in Santa's lap. He looks embarrassed to be there. 
Oh yeah, he's like he's he's about to be a preteen, so he's like, no, 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 I don't want to sit on the guy's lap. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious for you, were you a Santa sitter or? A... Oh yeah, I was. Mm. Well, yeah, I bought into the whole thing. Yeah, I remember I was always really scared. My, I only did it when I was a little kid, and I was like terrified of them. They looked so huge, the Santas and the giant beards. I would just be, I would freeze up, and I don't know what to say. Yeah, I wonder if the Santas always like work their quads uh, each year just to get ready for you know however many people they sit on his lap, or sometimes they he had them sit on the uh, the bench or the the big seat as well. Yeah, I think I if I remember correctly, the year I stopped going, I was like, oh, Cleo can go up on her own, my sister, and they kept trying to force me, but I was like, nope, I'm not going, I'm not going. So just she did not it, have, not <laughs> having it. I think I stopped by grade seven. Yeah, that makes sense. And then grade eight, it's like, all right, you're a teenager now. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you see teenagers going there and, and getting the pictures, I guess, just for fun. Yeah, there's there's some who generally do it, and it's like, oh, it's, that's really awesome. And there's others who just do it for the meme, and it's like, all right. <laughs> you don't like those folks. Okay. Well, I'm against that. I'm, I'm Like I said, sincerity is what I look, look for. So if they're being sincere about it and um, actually want to do it, it's like, hey, I, some some adults do it as well yeah and yeah i'm good with it that's that's smart yeah but i'll say all the times going i've never once uh seen a santa suddenly collapse onto the floor and crush some of the presents who's uh reeking of booze so <laughs> yeah i mean i've not yeah encountered that as well since i don't often try to go to the stores and or the malls but um yeah this one even though it does seem as though he's not really his brain cells aren't firing a, a lot because of his uh, stupor and you know what he had just had for dinner. Um, yep. Yep. He's you know he's not out of it like fully. He's, he's certainly not out of it. Yeah, Percival Smithers. He he says it right when he says, "Look, Mom, Santa Claus is loaded." So, <laughs> and now it's her turn to go off. I mean, you should be ashamed. You know, you got some nerve and. And he even is like, I am a shame, ma'am. And then it's just, then things start just getting more and more sad. Yeah, I mean, for once, like, you know, he didn't, he didn't, like, come back at her and back talk to her. He just said, yeah, I am ashamed. Kind of, in a way, turned the other cheek. That's, that's interesting. And Mr. Dundee comes over, you know, he's, he probably saw what happened there and he's trying to see if he can clean it up, but... She's like, no, I never shop in your store again. Seems, or I think she says, I'm never trading in your store again. Which I thought was interesting. And she's like, it seems like you hire your Santa Clauses from the gutter. And then she takes off. And uh, yeah, poor, our poor little pal Santa or Mr. Corwin. I do like that he was so, you know, just just straightforward with her. Like I am ashamed of myself. And once we get to Mr. Dundee, he starts saying the similar things. Like he's clearly horribly embarrassed by the state that he's in but there's a reason for that there's a re what reason is that sir oh he lays it out he he goes into some big speechifying that he he's just he like i said he's he's a deep uh, melancholic at this point in his life and he's like i i can either drink or i can weep and you know that I, that's why i drink because otherwise i'd be up here crying and yeah, the whole time Mr. Dundee's like, hey, shut up. You know, the kids are looking. They can, everyone can hear you. He starts talking about, uh, yeah, I want Santa Clauses for, for all the, the kids, not just these these rich kids here who can afford to be in this store. What about the kids back on the street? And it's it's a pretty impassioned little plea that he gives out there. 
you know, there was also a reason why, you know, I, I chose this one for you as well, especially because I feel like you can relate to this guy when it comes to uh, having some of the, the demon in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have my eggnog and rum here right now. Yeah. No, I don't like rum. Or, uh, sorry, I don't like eggnog. I love rum. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, and it was, it was definitely sad seeing him. I remember back in my teenage years, uh, I never felt like I could... Uh, express express emotions. I always felt like I was always like uh, sealed up, and booze was the only way that I could really connect to it. So, so maybe I get some of him too, and all of his uh, his drunken uh, teariness. I can definitely relate to that in my younger years. Yeah, it definitely lets out his frustrations, but not taking out like taking it out on the system, and you know what what it can do to people and. Yeah, he's getting thrown out, but you know, like a like a manager about to be tossed by the umpire, he's given he's given his money's worth. He's given it all to. It doesn't matter like who's seeing it. He's not trying to be like a nervous wreck or anything like that. But he's he is definitely like coming down hard on you know even like you know what this institution is about. Yeah, and just overall, he's just making a big spectacle of himself, which will uh, maybe come back to bite him a little bit later for Mister Dundee. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. But so, after that uh, very impassioned uh, little speech of his, which I thought was very well performed, by the way. Oh, like, that's another reason I... Because I feel like you could only do this at this point, because yeah, it's like a whole staged uh, show. Like, this was a soundstage, and, you know, they, they acted... And again, it was a different time where they're still a bit theatrical in a way. A little more natural, but... No, the, the, the speech that he makes and gives is, is like, wonderful. And well done. Yeah, and I really like this little bit when he's like, um, you know, he's like, I've hit rock bottom. I'm an aging, uh, purposeless, uh, I can't remember if he says husk or relic, something something like that from a different time. I think, yeah, both. And he's like, and I'm filled with a, I live in a little, little, uh, like, rooming house with hungry kids and, and poor people. And there's no, no, uh, the only thing coming down the chimney for them on Christmas Eve is more poverty. That's just damn. <laughs> and especially for the 60s as well. That's that's saying something as well for the time it came out. Like nowadays people will just look at this and be like, "Oh, well, wow. Like how like either woke or not even woke, but just how like outdated are you of a relic?" It's like this has been happening for years, but it's like yeah, but in the public conscious nobody like fully realized this back in the day yeah oh man i just saw another line that i have to point out just with all these kids we keep cutting their sad faces and their parents too oh yeah and he's like you know like i wish i wish i could really you know as i'm walking down the streets of the tenements i wish i really was on the, the north pole so i could imagine that all the little kids are elves you know gonna bring uh, bags of gifts to each other and, yeah, it's like, oh, man, what a sad image. <laughs> you can see another reason why I picked this episode for its speeches. Wow. Like, at, at this point, you could probably tell that this was, like, coming from Sterling's heart. And uh, yeah. all, um, oh, what's the actor who played Santa Claus this episode? Uh, that no, he was Art just a Carney. Mouth- Art Carney was just a mouthpiece. That's all he was. <laughs> This is an opinion piece and not so much like, you know, a science... Well, yeah, not not so much like a, a science fiction episode exploring an idea, but uh, just, yeah, Rod Sterling lamenting and, and raving and a man yelling at the clouds and just like, what the flip, guys? Sincerity. I do remember quite a few Twilight Zone episodes feeling like that. 
especially ones when it was just like one or two people in a room or something like that. You could just feel that he was hashing out a debate, but he had a very clear point of view that he was trying to push at you. Oh, and came down hard on. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of the things uh, I wanted to mention this, because in my later years, I've seen more of the uh, the original Outer Limits. And because that show, as opposed to this, was 50 minutes instead of the, the 25 minutes that this would get, uh, it it feels uh, it, has, it creates a very different vibe. And you usually get things that are you can tell they're trying to push a message, but it's never quite as clear and as uh, blunt as some of these Twilight Zones could be. And uh, yeah, I think I prefer the Twilight Zone style. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to see that's that's the thing with me personally. I've never actually sat through and watched a whole like Outer Limits or like the Alfred Hitchcock Hour um, mm. because I maybe for the fact that they're limited to like twenty four minutes. I think is just beautiful is wonderful. I kind of yeah. prefer that model over, you know, the other two models. I, I love it for Perry Mason. Like that, like that show being like, you know, 45 minutes works perfectly for that. Uh, you need that literally for like the setup and then like the courtroom stuff. But for the Twilight Zone only be, there have actually been uh, a few, I believe Twilight Zone episodes that were 45 minutes long and they were, they, they were worth oh. every like minute of it. They, they like kept me in suspense. Um, the one where there's like the submarine at the bottom of the ocean or wherever, and there's just this tapping going on. And it's like, what the flip is that sound? Um, oh man, spoilers! But like that was, I think that was one of the ones that was like 45 minutes long, and that was a horror one for me. But uh, yeah, so after after he leaves the department store, having made a yeah quite the scene, ruined many people's Christmases. I'm sure. I'm sure many of those kids went home crying. And potentially, you know, we're the next day woke up like, hey, I want to help the kids less fortunate. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, no, he, he stumbles out of there. And yeah, he's, he's I wouldn't say drunk as a skunk, but just, yeah, not not feeling too great. He's stumbling <laughs> down. He's like, ah, oh, I don't have any, like, you know, money left. And he you know, reaches into his shirt and goes back to Bruce's bar or whatever bar it was. Uh, I swear, for some reason, I thought he was, uh, maybe this is like, you know, a Mandela effect, but I thought he was putting his money into like some, you know, sort of like Salvation Army bin or something like Bucket or something like that. But he looks inside of Bruce's bar there and just pokes his head in there and starts like banging on the glass like, hey, you like <laughs> open up. And he's and Bob's like, yeah, Bruce's like, get out of here. Yeah. And it's like, admittedly we do kind of have that at the speakeasy where we, we do have if well okay if customers unfortunately our patrons get violent uh we're gonna we kind of we kind of ban them for at least a bit we're not like total scrooges about it but like you know kind of like you know just like for a 10-day ban or something like that and they come back unless they get really like you know violent yeah when someone's so gone you know it's it, you gotta you tell them to go home and you're cutting them off for the night yeah, I mean, I have been thinking of like renovating the upstairs. We gotta get a, we gotta like that's a whole zoning permit, and I'm thinking of getting like a drunk tank of some sort, a safe drunk tank, <laughs> of course. I do want to do the uh, safe injection site as well, maybe next door. That's probably a good idea. But uh, we should probably get, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking of like a drunk tank for everybody to like stay the night uh, and get their keys in somewhere, uh, hopefully, and get their card secured as well, so they don't do anything and make any stupid transactions online while they're drunk. <laughs> oh but maybe transactions i don't know uh santa's he stumbles away he stumbles down an alley i guess looking for his way home 
Well, that's the thing, because after he leaves the bar, or, well, you know, unsuccessfully tries to get into the bar, yeah. he starts hearing something. Something, not whimsical, but something magical, potentially. Yeah, is that uh, sleigh bells, or...? Sleigh bells are indeed ringing, and he is listening. Mm. And in this lane, an alleyway, that snow is blistening. <laughs> A quite a beautiful sight uh, that is happening tonight as he's walking down a um, jungle, uh, concrete jungle wonderland. <laughs> I guess it is a uh, jungle because a cat, you know, a jungle cat comes in, leaps out at him. Or a uh, descendant of a jungle cat. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe it's uh, the booze is talking for me. Maybe I'm misseeing uh, something. There definitely is that. Yeah, but a bag falls from beneath the cat, and it seems to be just filled with a bunch of trash. And he, he kind of stumbles over it, but then he realizes that as the bells tingle again, that maybe he can't trust his own eyes. Well, I initially thought that it was like, oh, tin cans, he can like return them for 10 cents. <laughs> maybe, that could be it. Which, I don't know if those tin, like, wait, tin cans can't be, well, they can be recycled nowadays, but I guess, is that mean the day they were taking... Ten, like they were taking tin cans in place of money. Hey, I got, I got no clue. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Because I thought he was like, oh, tin cans, I can like recycle those and get money out of it. Uh, not a, not in like a malicious way, but <laughs> no, he quickly like looks down. I guess like, oh, tin cans. But then, for some odd reason, as if yeah, the he really is boozed up. He what he swears was like, like I said, tin cans has now become wrapped Christmas presents. Yep, and he quickly pushes them back in, scoops them up, and he he's got his purpose. He was saying earlier he's purposeless. Immediately when he sees that, he knows that it's time to uh, distribute. And so he goes out into the little uh, little city square there, and he's he's yelling that it's uh, it's a Merry Christmas, calling for the kids. It's like, come one, come all. I have gifts to bear. I am giving an act of charity. And you know, definitely making a scene again, but this time uh, a glorifying scene as we cut away to that and into, I guess, the local, local shelter. Yeah, I do like before we get the little commercial break, either come back or go out as we see the little Twilight Zone thing. Yep. And it looked like they like maybe put some like frozen background and the, the stars are meant to be twinkling like Christmas lights. I thought that was cool. <laughs> uh, I think that's one of the normal backgrounds, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't have that version in front of me, so uh, I'll take your word for it. And I've I've seen the you know that version that he's talking about. It's just been a while. Oh, okay. I thought I thought they did do that, but maybe yeah, maybe I'm just seeing things. It's the booze eyes. <laughs> they had different title cards for each season, like you know each opening, and even some of the monologues he had uh, were different per season, of course. But I guess in that sense. Um. Yeah, it was something else instead. So yeah, maybe, maybe I, I don't exactly know. Anyways, yeah. So the uh, the church bells are ringing here as they arrive at this little uh little I guess Christmas uh is it Christmas Eve service or Christmas service? Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess it's a Christmas Eve service. Yeah, and it seems like it's maybe somewhere where the the poor folks are hanging out, and it's all men, by the way, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least in, in this one, there probably were unfortunate women who were in that situation, of course. But in this one, they're just showing men in, in this case. Yeah, except for uh, Sister Florence, who's leading the uh, the choir of, of uh, 
Yeah, hymns. Uh, more like uh, leading the entire choir herself, and she is the choir <laughs> leading herself. As uh, you know, some of the men, hey, bless their souls, they are they are definitely trying to go on there. But it looks like she's trying to really encourage them, giving uh, them the hints of like, come on, guys, like be in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, but as uh, as a buddy comes in off the street and he's he's singing some Christmas spirit stuff, he's saying, hey. You know, is the is it Corwin out there? Does he realize it's him? I think he does, and he's like, uh, or maybe he just says Santa. I think that's what he says. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when he comes in, when yeah, when Santa comes in, he's like, oh, he, th- these are his pals. These are his buds. These are all his his folks that he hands out with. Yeah, and he he's happy to give them all presents. He even wants to give Sister Florence a presents, but she's yeah, she's immediately seems to be against it. But I think this is a really cute scene. All the men getting so excited. Just everything, like they, they like you know, like I, like I said before, they're getting everything they wanted. I don't know if it's like you know, showcasing, <laughs> you know, in this case, every like materialistic wealth and all that stuff. But what really is important is you know, the like, the, almost the the change, the change um, in Henry. I think that's his name in in Henry's um, demeanor and his like like how different he was. You know, like two scenes ago in the in the store. And yeah. or the department store, and now how he is here in this in the shelter. Yeah, and I like that she's like, Where, "Where'd you get all this from? Like, what's going on?" And he's like, "I'm just as in the dark as anyone else." Uh, but this this bag here gives everyone what they want for Christmas. So whatever it's uh, putting out, I'm putting in. I just, I love the way he delivers that line. Uh, again, just like 100% sincerity, like 100% genuine. Like I believe him. I believe every word that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. He's he's overjoyed. To be able to deliver this to everyone, and the I, sister, she gets mad. And I guess runs off the authorities. Goes off in a huff, and yeah, but he's still he's still hanging it out all his gifts. He's just like, yeah, here you go, guys. Like you want a cane? You need a cane here. Here's a smoking jacket for that pipe that I just gave you. Like, oh, he's he's going around. He's he's giving everything he wants to people, and quickly the the constable, I guess, just shows up with the, with the sister there, and yeah, she's she's like taking away copper. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, for another little touch of the Rob Serling, or Rod Serling, uh, in his, his, his lefty ways, and maybe some anti-certain uh, type of folks' ways, of course, the uh, the lady there who should be really delivering the Christmas spirit, she's authoritarian with them, she's like, hey, sing my hymns when I want you to sing them, Yep. and oh, you seem that you uh, are really bringing some Christmas cheer to all these poor folks, let's get the cops to shut you down. So eh, maybe uh, yeah, some some criticisms there for some folks. Oh yeah, no, certainly there. There's there may be some like you know, he's he's seen a few of those kind of people around. So it's like he's pointing them out and being like, yeah, I don't know if they're. Uh, I think they're a little more humbuggy than uh, we may be. Yeah, and <laughs> and the cop comes over and he's like, what's going on here, uh, Corin? Are are you drunk? And Corin again, he he's just so uh, straightforward. He's like, drunk? Of course I'm drunk. I'm intoxicated on uh, uh, with the spirit of the the, the Yule. I, I can't remember exactly what he says either. <laughs> Damn it! Yule tide, something about inebriation. Again, I don't have subtitles in front of me, unfortunately, so I can't repeat every single word that he says because I would definitely be quoting this if I could. Yeah. Oh, here's the line. He says, "Intoxicated with the magic and wonder that is Christmas Eve." <laughs> <laughs> so he's going off. He's he's writing his own little Shakespeare uh, sonnets. Oh, like he's he's enamored, he's elated, he's ecstatic, he's he's going everywhere. Like which way? He's like having the best time of his life right now. <laughs> he says, "I'm an I'm inebriated with joy and delight." Yes, officer, I'm drunk, and he's jumping up. He, he's getting so excited. 
Yeah, it's just great. Taking his boots there. I've we've had a few of those in our in our in our speakeasy every now and then. And we just let him go. Like we just we just let let him have it. Like why not? As long as they're not harming anybody or whatnot, like let let him have a hoot there. Oh, that's how I came in after we finished recording Redline that night. I came into the bar. I was sleeping and jumping. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> and everybody kept looking at you like, what the hey is this guy on? Usually he's like over there having his his dubs or something like that, and he's like <laughs> drinking when he's not supposed to be. He's drinking with all of oh, us, no. and like like what the hey is he doing there? Yeah, but what the hey is Mr. Corwin doing there? He's getting ex- escorted to the uh, the police station. And the whole while he's trying to explain and yeah, the the, the copper he just he doesn't seem particularly uh, compelled. Yeah, but again, like I I do like how uh Corwin he he goes with them. He's like, "Yeah, fine, fine. I'll I'll definitely do that." And it's like and but but he goes there with just like he's like, oh, yeah, "I'll be right back, guys." And just yeah, goes yeah. down there and has a pleasant conversation with the cop. I'm like, "Huh." Very nice, like pretty pretty decent of the of this cop there, and not, not, not like you know bringing him behind the behind the bar there and, and beating him up with like his baton or something like that. Like that one time that happened at the speakeasy, and we had to like stop it. Oh no, I guess not go there. Yeah, let's not go there. It's, the lawsuit's still pending. Yeah, I, I guess we were <laughs> technically witnesses in that case. So I guess the cop he uh, he calls him Mister Dundee. It seems to be a done deal that he would be stealing from the one department store in town. I'm assuming is sixties puts you know two and two together to believe like oh yeah you know he was a mall cop for you know until up until like i guess two hours ago and you know now he, you know, what, what, what do he do but just like stole all the goods and uh yeah is, is distributing them basically like a robin hood as uh, mr dundee says yeah and corwin he yeah he I, he says that he's pleased to see uh mr dundee back and maybe he is um but yeah, he he's once again got to lay out what's going on here, and they're all. And Mr. Dundee's even he's terrible. He's like, oh, what can you give him for this? Ten years? That's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, but even the cops like, I don't really know if I can give him ten years. <laughs> yeah, for what? You know, so the cops actually had his defense of what's happening there, uh, because you know, yeah, yeah, great speeches by the way between like all three of them here. Uh, yeah. Just again, Cole, uh, of uh, Mr. Dundee literally trying to like you know wanting to rip. Uh, Corwin's head off, but and especially like you know, showing him all the evidence and lays it out on the table as it's just empty tin cans of soup. Yeah, yeah, very funny. And I like I like uh, Corwin's expressions on the background as he's just looking at all. He's got this uh, kind of bemused expression to him until he pulls out this little cat. Ah, I'll uh, hopefully take the cat. Yeah, and, I, and this is all the cop needs to hear. He, it's he, he pretty much accepts it right away. It's like, well. You know, if if he was pulling out gifts and you're pulling out trash, well, guess he must be right. Case closed. And yeah, the cop even is just like, yeah, something something may be going on. Well, I, I think it's actually, um, uh, he's he's uh, Henry the one is the one that's like you know mentioning like yeah, there's probably something a little bit you know beyond human comprehension going on here. Yeah, supernatural. Here we go. Yeah, the cop accepts it, and and Dundee starts leaning into him too. He's insulting him, you know, saying that he's, uh, yeah, kind of an incompetent. But uh, yeah, they're they're also, or at least I should say, Mister Dundee is relatively easily swayed. Once Corn puts it to him, like, okay, well, how about what would you like, uh, Mister Dundee? What could I what could I give you to prove here that uh, my bag is uh, the the real deal? And he asked for a fancy bottle of uh, cherry brandy. I think it was nineteen oh three. Yeah, and, and Corwin makes this expression like, hmm, I think I got that in here somewhere. Let me take a look. 
pops the bag down again and quickly is like rummages around like like me sometimes when I'm trying to you know find the right bottle uh, of of wine to give to some guy in the bar. <laughs> yeah, and I'll sidetrack back to the '80s one a little bit. I've tried to not go there too much, uh, but I really like how this plays out in the '80s version because early on in the department store, we see that Mister Dundee was he had reserved this one of a kind jacket that he had shipped into the store for his wife but one of the people there just made a mistake and sold it and so at the beginning of it part of the reason he was so pissed off is because his christmas had just been ruined ah and so he's in an outrage okay and he is just driving through the street during the tenements and sees all these people celebrating and comes in like what's going on and then he calls in the police and then when the police come they're like well i guess we got to confiscate all this stuff and then out of nowhere, the the bag starts producing um, uh, receipts for all the gifts from his store. And he's all upset, but he's like, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. And he kind of goes outside and pouts. And then old Mr. Corwin comes over and it's like, hey, I've got some for you, too. And he pulls out that jacket. And he's the one that has the, the moment task. It's like, oh, well, what are you going to have? But I guess we'll get there in a little bit. Yeah, we'll <laughs> definitely get there. By the way, uh, whatever happened to the cat? Yeah, it, it just lives at the police station now. It's the uh, the police station's cat. You know, cafes do that sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a cafe, like, uh, down the road from us. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, uh, in a meta sense, I guess it just walked off set. <laughs> just like, wait, where'd the cat go? Yeah, but uh, I do like, with, with Mr. Dundee and him uh, getting boozed up, they're going to try out the brandy. <laughs> and then we just see that he's continuing to go around and give out some, some stuff to the kids and... He just looks like he's in absolute joy. Couldn't be happier to be there, bringing some smiles to their faces. Yeah, I know. He's, again, this is, he he practices what he preaches. All that stuff that he had, you know, in spouting and spouting out uh, at the, you know, I am a contaminator at the store, uh, store uh, department store. Uh, he's he's practicing, man. He's showing, like, you know, what he, he said there and is giving everything, that, or at least, you know, Granting every wish, or at least, you know, request from the kids, save for the gun. At least I didn't see it. <laughs> Actually, I think I may have heard, like, a gun. He's like, here's a bat instead. It's like, yeah. all right, still can break knees and other assortment of, of bones in the body. But, yeah, baseball bat's better than a gun. Well, it has infinite ammo, so that's, that's bad, but even still. <laughs> uh, until the bag becomes emptied fully. Yeah, and he just kind of folds it up and puts it on the ground and... His old pal who he gave the pipe to in the smoking jacket, uh, he was part of that. Uh, I guess he was the one who ran in and was saying, like, oh, uh, the Santa's here, I think. Yeah, he was the one that was like, Santa Claus is coming, Santa Claus is coming. And he looks like a <laughs> combination between Robert Edmund and Mark uh, Frank Miller. Robert uh, who, Edmund, did you say? Did I say, I meant uh, whoever uh, played Freddy Krueger. Oh, oh, Edlund. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can Edlund, see it. thank yeah. you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I don't know if you know what Frank Miller looks like nowadays, but he kind of looks like Frank Miller. Oh, I've not seen him in a while, but I do know what he looks like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, but he comes and he sits down. And he's like, oh, you know, uh, Corwin, uh, what, what would you like for Christmas? Isn't there anything in that bag for you? And, yeah, he has this, this very sweet little moment where he's like, I, I can't think of anything that I would want, except uh, if only I could do this this every year. You know, be the biggest gift giver of all time. I think that's just such a, a cute thing to say. Yep. And there's this is another scene with some uh, some little tears coming, little drops of snow in my eyes. No, <laughs> uh, well, warm the coggles of your heart. Heart. There you go. Yeah, and he wishes that he could do it every year, 
And, you know, uh, relatively quickly after that, uh, that wish is granted. Well, he begins walking back down the alley where he first found the bag. In an alley where nobody would often go, in a place that alleys are meant to either walk through or store your undesirables and unbelongings. He walks down it, and this is where I was starting to end even now. It's starting to get a little misty-eyed, in fact. Yeah, yeah. This is a sleigh, and while it's four, I'm going to assume it's eight, but for logistic reasons, they probably only had four. So I could suspend yeah. my disbelief um, for, in this case, because why not, and assume that there's eight or nine, excuse me, because I prefer nine, uh, reindeer. Yeah. And out pops a little elf saying that, what are you, Santa, it's, uh, we got, we got to get back to the North Pole or something of that matter. I'm so, again, sorry. I don't, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. What I like is, uh, when he's first walking up, the, the alley's all dark and, you know, a little kind of moody in its way. And then once she pops out, it all goes bright. And she's like, oh, we've been waiting for you for quite a while, Santa. And he just looks like he can't believe it. Can't believe what he's seeing. Yep. <laughs> I think he even says, like, oh, no. He, maybe he <laughs> thinks he's having some drunken hallucinations. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's accepted everything up to this point, especially, like, the gift-giving but it's like, this is one too far. He's like, okay, maybe I really am just drunk, and this is all just a dream. And so, while nowadays it would be seen as probably inappropriate, he does, like, you know, lay a hand on the, the elf. But I, the context is he's at least, like, trying to see, like, he's not pinching her or anything like that, but at least it's the thing of, like, okay, is this, is this thing real? Is this, like, is that yeah. real? And, yeah, she she reacts of, like, she giggles, obviously, of just like, hey, don't do that. Um not like that but trust me the scene actually is is not that like creepy no it's not creepy at all it's it's funny he does a little jump and then looks away still like nope i don't know if i can fully believe what i'm seeing like does a double take like "Uh, uh, and then she she tells him you know we got to get ready for next year you know we got a lot of work to do and then you can see the smile start to click in when he realizes that oh wow maybe my wish really is being granted too and she dusts off the seat for him, and he comes and plops him, plops himself down. And then, yeah, he gets really into it as he starts cheering on those reindeers to get moving. On Dasher, on Dancer, on Bl- Prancer, on Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, and Blitzen, and of course Rudolph right in the front. Let's get it going back to the North Pole. Yeah. And then we see Mr. Dundee and Mr. Policeman. Uh, they've been dipping into their cups a little bit. And as they're stepping out of the police station, they, they hear something up in the sky. And I, I quite like how this exchange plays out. Mr. Dundee's like, what did you see up there? Like, I, I, I'm not going to say what I saw. And the cop, too, is like, I don't know if I want to say either. But he's like, just lay it out for me. And then, <laughs> do you want to go there? Or No, you go ahead. You keep going. Yeah, he's like, um, what I'm pretty sure I just saw was Corwin. Uh, uh, big as life in a sleigh with reindeer sitting next to an elf. And then just the way he lays it out, so like straightforward. And then Mr. Dundee's like, "Yep, that's the size of it." <laughs> that about does uh, that's, that's about what you uh, what you saw there. That does make sense. And they uh, walk off, saying Dundee's going to treat him at home, inviting him to his house for a nice cup of coffee. Yeah, to you know see what's what's happening there. And we end looking at the same sack that I, he forgot. Unfortunately, hopefully uh, he goes back for the sack because that's that's an important thing and uh, we end to good old sterling uh giving his end monologue yeah 
yeah, very nice little monologue to a very nice little Christmas episode, and yeah, suddenly I'm feeling a little bit softened up. Uh, yeah, I guess you got the the buttering routine. It uh, it worked it worked well enough for uh, this year's Christmas uh, cheer. And it seems as though Caleb's heart is growing three sizes today. Oh, and it hurts too. Oh shit. <laughs> I oh wait a minute. I get I can see the. Uh... <laughs> Sudden problem with having a heart three sizes that your cardiovascular system is not able to completely um, keep up with, and the same thing with your lungs, and also the fact that there's a space issue of space in there when all of a sudden your heart grows is, grows uh, three sizes that it normally should be. Wait, does that mean your hands also grew as well? Because your hands, like if when you clench your fist, it's supposed to be roughly the same size as your heart. So now, like your hands have grown three sizes as well. Yeah, now I'm going to have to start shopping in the women's clothes because they're much more accommodating for the chest area being, uh, you know, puffed out. So. Wouldn't it be just one side? <laughs> oh, but... Uh... Oversized lump in your, in your chest like good grief. Anyways, that was, uh, that was that episode, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated. Yep, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll tiptoe over to, uh, to final thoughts, starting with you. Uh, Mr. Mr. Isaac, the, the the picker of this episode, uh, what do you think? Piece of crap or or what? Uh, yeah, well, it's just one of them tin cans that uh, we got at the soup store there. Uh, no there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though this was short, it was you know what I was expecting or what I had expected beforehand, and yeah, it, it definitely brings to me. Uh, I'm not just going out to find, you know things that i personally like well i guess that's what i do of course <laughs> yes. but yeah this one this uh, definitely yeah uh when i first saw it, it it left an impression of me most of uh, it, all of his uh episodes here have pretty much left an impression on me and this one is no different and i definitely like the fact that it's uh, about this christmas season that we've been having and hopefully, you know, you all also maybe either learned something or at least maybe found another thing to add to your Christmas list of uh, <laughs> Christmas watch uh, items. But no, I'd, I'd throw this on every year uh, just because, you know, it has sensibilities that I agree with and isn't too much, I think. it's It's got some sensibilities that I have and deep down I also am the same way as I could see Art Kearney's character and what he's going through and definitely have what he has and... We definitely want to do that as well with everybody to give them maybe not so much material gifts, but because there might be some other things for some people like, you know, education uh, that they want, uh, but definitely to give to others needs uh, instead of my own. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you, Isaac, for uh, yeah this pick here. I guess you reached into your own little bag of uh, presents and yeah, pulled this one out here. I was very, uh, very appreciative of it. I think it was uh, definitely a delight. An unexpected term for Twilight Zone that I'm happy to uh, add to my my memories of that that program, and for Christmas episodes of a TV show, uh, frequently I can find them lame and yeah off-putting, overly schmaltzy, but not with the uh, the substance to back it up. This one starting on such a depressive state, this this guy, this Santa, who's like a complete drunken wreck and just completely uh, depressed. To see him have that turnaround and to see that there was legitimate reasons that he, you know, why the, the season would make him so so down. Uh, season, uh, feelings that I frequently share, uh, not necessarily fully based on what he was saying, but I do tend to get depressed around Christmas time in general. 
So I could relate to that guy. And uh, yeah, falling down drunk, uh, playing a Santa. I've not been there yet, but give me 60 years. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I could definitely relate there. And yeah, just overall, it was just a very beautiful episode. And yeah, what I feel like I uh, need at the moment. Yeah, do you think, yeah, in terms of you know, a Christmas episode, this one stands out from other ones? Yeah, no, I definitely think so. Um, I remember Futurama had some fun little Christmas episodes. Robot Santa, let's go. <laughs> but usually when I think of Christmas episodes, I think of Doctor Who. And those have universally, maybe one one or two have been good, but all the other ones have just been just terrible in my opinion. So... <laughs> Not to turn to Doctor Who. No, that's okay. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind. I turn to Star Wars as well, so it's not like you know I'm guilty of anything. So you, it's, I, I don't get annoyed by. I, for upfront, I never get annoyed at his Doctor Who or even Sean's. I don't know what they're talking about. Like I don't, I don't care. Like sure, it's a reference. Sure. I do stupid. Well, not stupid, but I make references to things, and I feel like I look like a jackass sometimes. So it's not like not saying they are that, but just like hey, hey, hey I feel like I'm called jackass. <laughs> excuse me i'm only referring to myself but sure. um do you think that uh this the message that sterling yes very blatant and obvious but i don't know out of the fact that it's played straight and you know with sincerity i can like take this over other stuff that seems like pretty fake and maybe at this point it's the same message over and over again do you think that this message here translates pretty well to our modern and i say modern because that's every every single day but do you think it translates uh into uh nowadays sensibilities oh yeah and i do wonder i mean obviously the uh the level of consumerism has drastically increased oh yeah but i wonder if if the uh the income disparity is even more huge now than it was then this is a case sad to think so yeah definitely still has a lot of relevance now and will so be the case for quite the next while as well until we somehow figure out a solution to that. But for now, oh, oh wait, before you, uh, before you close it down, oops, <laughs> my bad. I do want to give a uh, secondary. Uh, I'm very much feeling it to surprisingly the '80s Twilight Zone entry as well. I think they had their differences. I think overall, I prefer the '60s one. But the 80s one also had a number of really good tearjerker moments for me. I like a lot of the changes. Uh, in that one, it was actually just a straight-up black garbage bag that he just stumbled across. <laughs> like It looked more like just a, a piece of trash bag. Um, and the Mr. Dundee was played by uh, someone that we saw previously on our, our last Christmas entry during Die Hard. It was played by William Atherton, uh, the famous uh, Walter Peck actor from... Oh. Ghostbusters, and he was in Die Hard, but I can't remember the character. They, they, it's called Thornburg, but I don't remember that movie very well. I remember exactly who he was. I didn't know his name, but he was uh, the reporter. He was the one who went to oh, yes. um, Bruce Willis. I forget his character now. Um, went to his house and interviewed his family, and because he was interviewing his family, uh, it's when Alan Rickman's character Hans Gruber uh, looks on the TV and is like, "Oh, what? They're they're related there, like the because uh, Holly is related to uh, John, whatever his last name is." Yeah, no. One of the things I really liked about the '80s one is they beefed up his character a lot, and it almost became like the two of them learning to, you know, find their their happiness in Christmas. 
And I think that was really nice. And overall, it was a great little double bill of Twilight Zone stuff. And hopefully the start of something uh, fun. Hopefully we'll get to check out some more Twilight Zone. Because, yeah, maybe maybe it started a little itch for me to uh, see if we got any other good picks in that little bag of yours over there. Well, I mean, by that point, I would just be... I'd just be going through the entire series because I pretty much there's only a few episodes that I probably wouldn't want to watch or wouldn't do, but I think uh, even then it's like they're all probably worth watching and talking about. Well, I definitely enjoyed this discussion and and yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody, I guess, uh, or Happy Holidays. Yeah, unfortunately, one of these days we will probably venture out away from just you know Christmas episode and instead focus you know more on the holidays season and yeah. look at other either there probably exists uh something that's not a crazy nights for hanukkah and also yes. of course uh kwanzaa as well so and maybe something else uh, a winter solstice event as well would be nice to cover on but yes happy holidays ladies and gentlemen those in between an affiliate from us the novice elitists podcast please stay safe this holiday season mm. and please treat each other your neighbors the same as you would yourself. Good night. Peace out.